Good evening, and welcome to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season including some that ran only one episode. This month, we are on a quest. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Go! Continue the quest! And get that dub! (laughs) Uh, We are doing 2014's The Quest, which was a show that aired for one season on ABC. I always say that they ran for one season, like that's uh, gonna change for some reason. Well, some of the shows we watch run less than that. That's fair. This did run a full season. Uh, this is a reality show. Uh, most of the reality shows do not get cut off mid-season. No, there's been a few, but usually it's done and in the can, and like you might as well just air it. Yeah, it's cheaper to just run them. Also, I feel like reality shows are often summer shows. Yeah, we're like, they're a little bit less... The standard for... You know, how many people are watching them is a little lower. Yeah. And so, like, it's a summer replacement. It's fine. We'll just air it. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, This is no exception. This aired for the first time on July 31st, 2014, and finished up September 11th, 2014. Now, I will say, this actually does fall into one of those situations, though, where they did start burning off shows. Oh, they started showing, like, back-to-back episodes? Yeah, you were getting two a night. On the last three weeks. Mm, okay. But I could also see um, they realized they needed to get the shows done before the season started. Right. Because, you know, if they'd run their entire, if they'd run one a week, they'd be going well into October. And shows usually are starting. True, true. So that's kind of an odd choice to start running a show that late in the summer. Yeah. Kind of my thought on that. Uh, so this is a... Very interesting reality show. Wait, this is a reality show? So let's start with both of our least favorite part of the show. Yes. Uh, This has nothing to do with the show itself outside of the... I I don't know if this is how it aired or if this is just the ABC website cut. Yes. But it starts... Actually, let's start with that. We watched this on ABC.com. Yes. So you can watch all of this right now on ABC if you'd like. Faux free. For faux free. I'm not sure if I can download those, so this might be less clips than usual. Yeah, I know there's definitely some clips on YouTube, so we'll be able to pull some things, but I don't know if we're going to be able to pull everything. So apologies, listeners, if you're expecting lots of fun clips. There may be less. I'm trying to find a way to do it. Now, let's talk about this opening. It's this, like, strange little pre-cold open kind of deal. Where they talk about the making of the show and, like, they kind of immediately smash the fourth wall. Yes. And with how immersive the rest of the show is, I hate it. Yes, it's them basically saying... The show is written for scripted actors and then we intertwine reality competition and reality moments where the contestants interact with the scripted characters. Run! What? The strongest will survive and the strongest will be the one true hero. It's reality competition with scripted storyline. It's something you haven't seen before. A scripted fantasy world with unscripted reality contestants. They were taking real people and putting them in a world they didn't know existed that they're already prophesized to be in. So, 
So weaving the narrative together with the reality so it's natural and organic. My first reaction is, oh, they think they invented LARPing. And then my first reaction was, oh, they think they invented reality TV. Yeah. Because this whole little, like, it's like a minute and a half long, this weird little self-congratulatory video that airs before every episode explaining explaining the joke, essentially. Yes. And I think the show is so much stronger without it because it also has an opening. Everrealm. A land of beauty and great magical power. Where 12 kingdoms have coexisted in harmony for centuries. Now, a land under siege by Verlocks the Darkness. But the fates have summoned 12 outsiders to come to Everrealm's aid. Men and women who do not yet know the deep within them beat the hearts of heroes. Twelve paladins who must reclaim the Sun Spear and vanquish evil from the land. This is the quest. Like a regular theme song, the quest, paladins, yes, whatever. That is tonally consistent and makes sense. I think... If there could have been a concern where if they didn't say, hey, this is a reality show, people would think this is a medieval The Office. (laughs) Where it's just like, oh, it's like this weird medieval show, but they talk to the camera sometimes. Okay, medieval The Office is a million dollar idea. I know, I'm sorry, I just gave that away for free. Um... But yeah, like, I guess they kind of feel the need to explain because it is an extremely immersive reality show. Yes. There's, it. They're, they try to stay uh, close to the time period. Like, you don't see them using conveniences that they shouldn't have access to. Yes. And in one aspect, I want to say that th- this whole, like, explaining, oh, it's a fantasy world, you know, it's never been done before. There's part of me that wants to be... Like, yes, they have. This is a reality show that takes place in not reality. You could think of, uh, I want to be a superhero. This is before Opposite Worlds, right? No, it is just after. So Opposite Worlds? Uh, Opposite Worlds aired the same year in the winter. Okay, okay. So it aired about six months before this show. So it's not the first one to really do this. Now, I will say, this is the second ABC reality show we've covered. Yes. Of this nature. Yes, and you know what? There there was another one where, with pirates. Wait, what? Yeah, there's a pirate one. What we're referencing... I'm just remembering this. What we're referencing, if you're not like a longtime viewer, listener of us, one of our early episodes, probably maybe the third episode we did, was on a show called Who Done It. Oh, yes, of course. I didn't even realize where you were going with that sentence. And it was similar to this in that it was an extremely immersive reality show, but it was a murder mystery. Yes. And we were supposed to buy in that like, oh, they died and there's an ongoing plot. This is after Who Done It, right? 
One year after, yes. Yeah, so, like, th- this kind of idea where it's a non, you know, re- it, a reality show that takes place outside of our reality is not new. Pirate Master, that is what it is called, and people were sent adrift. And if you got voted out, they put you on a raft, and they just pushed you out into the ocean. Yep, and you'll uh, you'll know that one because we will probably do it at future some point episode of Stay Doomed for sure. Which oh, did we just reference that Stay Doomed has a future? Oh, cliffhanger! Ooh, all right. So oh, and the other point I want to make about this opening, yes, because this opening super bothered both of us. That's why we're spending so much time. <laughs> yeah, on it. we complained about. I think also because we watched it ten times in a row. Yeah, we were like super mad by the last it. one. The, there's all this stuff of like, yeah, we have all these actors, we have all these prospect, pro, murder in small town X. It's another one. Uh, we have all these actors, we have these prosthetics, we have these makeup and stuff like that. This reminded me of the television wheel, where, where they explain the they explain the gambit. The yeah, entire- it's like we want to show you how hard this was, so you can see the intrinsic value of this show. You know what? Actually, now that we've said this, I get why they do it now. Because now that we've been talking about this, now that we've mentioned Who Done It, Noah, how did the last episode of Who Done It start? They they were like, "Hey, we didn't really kill people." So you know what? Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, you know what? If they hadn't said this in the beginning, I would have thought that twelve people were transferred to another dimension, <laughs> and one of them was going to become the true hero, and that this kingdom was actually under the the attack by was it Valtrex? No. It's, uh, oh my god, now I'm blanking because I, Valtrex, I think Valtrex is like, uh. Valtrex is the herpes medicine. Yeah, we're gonna edit no, that No, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> it's Verlox. Verlox, Verlox. Um, I have the worst time with fantasy names. Yeah, me too, so, so expect more of this. Um, fortunately the rest of the fantasy names are fairly straightforward. Yes. Um, I eventually did get the knight's name despite butchering it in our discussions about the show. For the entire 10 episodes. Yes. So let's get into, I, I guess, the overall plot here. Yeah, we have 12 paladins. Yes. And they're using paladin as a catch-all term. Yeah. Anyone who's like a big uh, role-playing game connoisseur would be like, that's not a paladin, that's not a paladin, Yeah. that's not a paladin. Yeah. That's a rogue, that's a bard. <laughs> yeah, like there's one person where you're like, she's a bard. Come that's a now. bard for sure. That's a barbarian. Um, yeah, like, there's definitely people where you're like, no, you're not. <sighs> uh, so it's, they're saving the country of Everrealm. Yes. Which is actually 12 interlocking countries that have lived peaceably for hundreds of years. But then Verlox the Darkness mm-hmm. has come in and he is taking over each country in turn. And Sanctum is the last country standing. Right. And it is... Sanctum that has called upon these 12 paladins who happen to all be from 2014 America. Yes. They are going to uh, wield the Sun Spear, which is the mythical weapon that can stop Verlox the Darkness, owing to a prophecy that was stated by Creo the Dreamer, who is the royal steward who is known to have prophetic dreams. Right. And he's also the first person from Everrealm that we meet. Yes. He is, if you will, the Giles from Who Done It, the Ricky Rackman from Daisy of Love. Yes, he is the person who's kind of corralling everybody. The Big John from the Rock Big of John Love. John of Rock of Love. Um, yeah, he's 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 not really the host. No, there's not really a 
host. There's not really a host, which is super interesting for a reality show. But there are standard presences. Like, it's mm. not... I, I do think they have that idea of, like, you will always see Creo. You will always see the knight, who we'll talk about a little bit later. And you will always see the fates. Yes. They are in every episode. Yes. So they need to retrieve this ancient weapon, and Creo is guiding them to the castle. Yes. They, they all walk... Like, you, they all get, like, a scroll saying that they've been selected, and then they walk down a very narrow hallway. Yes. And then they el- end up in Elver... Ever... Elver... They end up in the realm. Yes, Everum. <laughs> and uh, they have to cut through, like, a forest. Yes. And, and there's another guide with them. They, yes, they have another guide. Uh, we'll call him uh, Sir Redshirt. Yes, yes. Uh, Sir Chum of Everum. For our nerd friends, Redshirt would cover it. <laughs> I know chum's a word that we use a lot more on this show, though. Yeah, I we tend to use chum about uh, contestants. Yes. Um, yes. Sir Chumley the Jobber. <laughs> so Sir Chumley the Jobber mm-hmm. is uh, attacked by somebody. We don't really see much about him. A dark rider. Yes, a dark rider. And they grab him and they just drag him away while he screams for help. And the palatins flee. Yeah, which, I mean... I'm not better than anybody. I probably would have been like, nope, nope, nope. I I think this is one of the things that I think hurts this show. Because what happens is he gets dragged off. Creo's like, are you all okay? Do we have everyone? And Shondo then says... And from like a reality show perspective, we as the audience are like, yes, you are. Like, what well, were you going to punch it? Like, we don't know the rules of the world yet. But right. We know what a reality show is. Right. And we know that just attacking someone is something you can't do. So this is a weird moment where I think as an audience, everyone's like, oh, come on. Now let's uh, take a moment to establish Shondo, because I like to try to establish contestants so that we don't okay. do an info dump. Shondo is an MMA fighter. Yes. He is a large man. Yes. He is very athletic, very strong, and he is all about performance. Yes. He reminds me of Terry Crews. Yes. <laughs> I could definitely see that. That level of just 24-7 Intense. Yeah. All about the performance. But like, like, but still admitting warmth out Oh yeah, of him. he's still very kind. Like he's buff and he's excited and he's jacked, but I'd hug him. Yeah, like he seems like a very nice man. Yes. That also like, you just want to stay on his good side mm-hmm. because he's a nice man right now. Mm-hmm. But like, he'd mess somebody up if he had to. Yes. They get to Sanctum and they're immediately arrested. Yes. By the Grand Vizier. The Grand Vizier is like, I don't want these people here. Send them to prison, sort of. The dungeon. (laughs) It's not really a dungeon, because they're technically still outside. Yeah, it's like the outdoors. Uh, The area. The brig. (laughs) Uh, So then we we start kind of having this moment where they're stuck in a room together. Yes. And we start to establish other people. Right. And this is where I believe the design of the game was... These are all strangers. Mm-hmm. We are going to lock them in a room together, and the only thing they can do is talk. Right. So this is where they'll kind of, like, meet and greet and stuff like that. Yes. 
Do you, do you want to go over characters? Uh, we're going to go over the people... Like, I'm going to go over the people who we establish at this point. Okay, go for it. We meet Ashley. Mm-hmm. Ashley is a uh, a horse trainer. And she is immediately looking for a plan to escape. And she is starting to reason out how they might escape. They kind of immediately go, like, here's why that's not going to work. And here's that why that's going to kill us all. But she is immediately, like... Plan, action, how are we getting out of this? We meet Leticia. She's this, like, very strong, athletic young woman. Mm-hmm. And, wrestling fan. And she immediately establishes that she loves wrestling. And, like, mm-hmm. that's how she learned to be an athlete. By, like, you know, learning wrestling moves. Yeah, it's how she became my favorite character. My and favorite then, paladin. And then we have Patrick, who is, like, a family man and a math teacher. Yes. And so then, like... Each of the paladins has received a piece of this weapon. Yes. They the have sun spear. The sun spear. And so Creo brings the Grand Vizier back. Oh, b- before the Grand Vizier comes back. Okay. This is an important moment because this is this mirrors what happens to the guy who gets killed. Okay. There's a moment where they're alone and they're like, well, what do we do? Do we try to escape? And there's people who are like, I think we can climb up this way. Yeah, Ashley. And just like, yeah, there's a ledge here. I can go up to here, go here, get on that roof, and then we'll be on the other side. And everyone's like, well, what about, like, what if Creo comes back and we're gone? And I was like, this is very interesting. And then someone else just goes, that's super unsafe. What if you fall on this, like, sharp thing that is right under you? And it kind of sets again this weird precedence of, like, we don't know what the rules of this reality show are. So we don't know if they're supposed to be trying to escape. And again, this feeling of like, let's escape. No, you're not supposed to do that. That's like, let let the game start. It feels like LARPing with a new player. Kind of, yes. With like someone who's like, well, I'm going to cast Magic Missile. No, you can't, you no, can't do that No, that's not yet. what you do. It's like, you know, so I stab you. Well, I'm made of stone, so it doesn't work. Well, I stab you again. No, listen. I, I stab you with my rockproof sword. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it it feels like you're pl- you're larping with people who have never larped before. Yeah, and like I think it's a bit of a failure of the show that they don't establish those rules, and like the the idea that there is a choice that they could have made that they are not making mm-hmm. is kind of false. Okay, and I wish that had been clearer. Like the whole guy getting killed by the monster. I think it would have been more effective if he had been shot by an arrow out of nowhere and just yelled, run, and fallen forward. Yes. Because now we're kind of playing with this idea of uh, the choices of the Palatins will affect the story. And, like, if he's shot by an arrow, what are they going to do? Exactly. Like, I guess you run. So, like, it's kind of setting this up like... They, like, this might be a choose-your-own-adventure and, like, the decisions that these characters make will matter. While that's not really the case. Right. And also setting up the, the audience to be like, well, what are what is the role of the Palatins in this game? Yes. So it's, it's, it's off to a little bit of a bumpy start. Okay. So then the Vizier comes back and each of them reveals their piece of the Sun Spear and that's how the Vizier believes them. Yes. So they get sent to... Six rooms. Now, there are seven women and five men. Yes. So, people start to fall in together. We have Lena and Katie. Yes. Uh, we never actually learned that much about Katie as a person. No. 
She's she has white hair and glasses. And then uh Lena is athletic and has three older brothers. Yes. Uh that's the main thing we find out about Lena at this point. And then they're a guy and a young one of the guys and one of the girls are gonna have to room together. Yes. So it ends up being Patrick, who's like the family man, this mm-hmm. like really just general nice guy. And Bonnie, who is this like less athletic, like kind of quieter, nice girl. Yes. And it's her and then this other... Who's super excited to be there. <laughs> well, it's her and this other woman, Adria, who is the other contestant who's not obviously in their 20s. Yes. And this is always interesting to me with reality shows how, like, I, usually everybody's between, like, 20 and, like, 26. Mm-hmm. Because those are the people who can ditch their lives for a month. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always interesting when there's players who are more established in life. Right. Um... So Adria initially volunteers to room with Patrick because she's the other older player and she feels like it's the least weird and least inappropriate. And right. then Patrick's like, yo, I snore. And Adria's like, Adria out. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm done. And Adria and Bonnie, this is the best day of their lives. Yeah. Like they are all in. They are hype. Um, This is like a great day for them. And we also established that Shondo lives with Jim. And this is, like, such a great odd couple pairing. Yeah. Because Shondo is this, like, intense Terry Crews-esque MMA fighter. And Jim is a lovable dweeb. Yes. Um, Like, Jim reminds me of almost every guy I know. Mm-hmm. In, like, a good way. He reminds me of if Steve from Opposite Worlds was less awkward. Yeah. And had, like, a little more charisma and likability. Mm-hmm. He'd be Jim. Yeah. Or as Shondo calls him, Jimbo, Jimbo Slice. Slice. And it's kind of adorable every time. It's so it's so adorable that, like, Shondo's, like, cheer and goodness rubs off on Jimbo. Because the fact that Shondo calls him Jimbo Slice makes me like Jim more. Yeah, Shondo, like, adopts Jim mm-hmm. in that way that, like, an extrovert will just adopt an introvert and be like, this is mine now. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Shondo is like, this is my friend. Yes. And Jim is like, okay, I guess we're friends. <laughs> and then um, the two other guys who live together are Christian and Andrew. Yes. Uh, Christian looks more like a medieval knight than he looks, the people he, that are paid to be there. He looks like the winner of this game. <laughs> yeah. Like, he looks, picture every guy you've ever seen at a Renaissance fair. Yeah. There you go. There's Christian, guys. <laughs> and Andrew is like, looks like, uh, picture a lacrosse player. That's Andrew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he looks like a lacrosse player. Yeah. Like, just that kind of like, he is a jock. He is nice. Mm-hmm. And that's Andrew at this point. And then we also have uh, Jasmine and um, Leticia, who we've established. And Jasmine's also like, we don't know a lot about her yet. We know that uh, she is a child. Yes. And that she's here because, like, she's, you know, this is something she's always wanted to do. And that there hasn't been as much representation for women of color. Yes. In, like, fantasy realms. Which is true. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really like Jasmine as a character. She, especially in the next episode, which we're going to get into. So, uh, this is, like, super fun. Uh, so then we get to the first challenge. And yes. it's uh, it's a challenge where they're using a giant crossbow. Yes, called a scorpion. And one person has to be up on like a crow's nest to guide the scorpion. Yes. 
One person has to go get arrows and the other person has to fire. Yes. And, like, firing, it, there's a matter of, like, cranking it tight. Aiming and, it. And, and, like, listening to the eyes and being like, all right, two clicks this way. So, our teams are Ashley, Andrew, and Bonnie. Yes. Lena, Shondo, and Jim. Uh, Adria, Jasmine, and Leticia. Yes. And then Patrick, Katie, and Christian. Yes. These were chosen at random? How did we get these teams? Uh, They picked arrows out of a quiver. Yes. And they were assigned by color. Like, if you got a blue arrow, you were one team. You were on the blue team. Uh, Red, yellow, and white. Gotcha. Um, In my notes, it says Adria is hype. There's a lot of people who are super hype just in general to be doing something. I would dare say 10 of the 12. Yeah. Are... Like, every talking head is, like, talking head, talking head. Also, this is the best. Yeah. Uh, It's incredibly endearing. And, like, the early hiccups of the show trying to figure itself out Mm -hmm. are kind of easily smoothed over when you see how happy they are to be there. Yeah, the the show definitely, like, takes this turn of, like, you are about to watch 12 people have the most fun. Yeah, like, they're so happy. It it takes a turn from, like, maybe this is a survivor cutthroat game to, oh, this is an episode of Wild and Crazy Kids. Oh my god, I didn't (laughs) think of that comparison, but yeah, that's kind of accurate. Like, there's just so much of, like, oh, you are just, you are so happy. Because there's a moment- And you're happy for them, because everyone's pretty likable. Especially, like, at this point where, like, no one's done anything yet. Everyone's, like, everyone's an archetype. Everybody- is fairly, like, it's not a VH1 reality show where everybody kind of looks fake. These yeah. all look like people you know. Like, Bonnie reminded me of a housemate yeah. that I had. You know, Jim reminds me of a lot of guys I know. Because who's on Shondo's team? Is it Lena? Lena and Jim. Lena's the eyes. And mm-hmm. Lena's like, two clicks this way and then fire. <laughs> and she's like, firing the scorpion like we mean it. And it's it's hilarious because he's taking an extra five seconds just because he's having the best day. Yeah, it's really... (laughs) Like, from a competition standpoint, it's really dumb. Shondo is your friend that you drag to the Renaissance Fair who unexpectedly has the best time. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, more than anybody, because he's, like, an MMA fighter, and to me that's, like, an occupation that's so rooted in the present... Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to go as all in as he does on this. Yeah. And, uh, spoiler, Shondo remains all in for his <laughs> yeah. duration on the show. Well, what's the best is... He is great. Shondo's doing all this screaming and dancing, and then it cuts to a talking head with Lena going, I just kept saying he was hitting stuff. Most of the time he wasn't. But it was making him so happy. <laughs> and, um, so then they have to count the arrows and count how many people, like, how many... Of these enemy scarecrows, each one of them hit. Um, the answer is not enough. Yes. Because. There had been a real army. Nothing. Nothing would be here anymore. So. At this point, we must introduce Sir Ansgar. Sir Ansgar. And, um. Not gonna lie, I totally ended up with, like, a crush on Sir Ansgar. Oh, did you now? Yeah, me and... The entire cast. We'll see if that's true. Um, but Wait till the next episode. He is crazy intense. Yes. And he is screaming at them. Mm-hmm. 
And he says, like, he goes through and tells them who, like, how many each hit. Yes. The winners are the Ashley-Andrew-Bonnie team. Yes. And they say, like, elect one person who was the leader of your team. Yeah. And they elect Bonnie. Because mm-hmm. apparently the eyes are everything. Yeah, they say, like, you know, Bonnie was the eyes of it and she did a great job. R- really important point. Yes. No one says themselves. Yes. No one campaigns. It's just immediately like, it's Bonnie, right? Yeah, Bonnie. Bonnie, you won. So Bonnie is given the Kingdom of Sanctum's mark of leadership uh, for being the eyes of the team. Yes. So she is given a badge, like a a Pokemon trainer badge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, For being the best at the challenge. She's won the challenge. Mm-hmm. Now, the bottom three people are going to be sent to the Fates. That is the blue team, which is Christian, Katie, and Patrick. Yes. They performed the least well, so now they are going to have to do the elimination challenge. They only hit four. Correct. Uh, I did actually write down the score because I wasn't sure. Whenever we do notes on these reality shows, especially the first episode, my notes for the first episode of any of these shows are like three pages long, and then it goes to about a page for each subsequent episode as like i don't have to explain to myself who everyone is yeah so um a nice moment is that uh when bonnie's elected the leader she straight up cries yeah and it like but she's happy and you're happy for her like yeah like you're really just like oh it's like this is a really heartwarming show it really is which i did not i did not come here to feel (laughs) um so then the Elimination Room is the Hall of the Fates. Yes. And it's these three incredibly, strikingly beautiful women. Yeah. In these incredible dresses. And if anyone knows where the fate on the left got her clothing, uh, I'm at priorities. Holler. Yeah, holler. <laughs> um, so there's going to be a challenge. And one person will win the challenge. And they will be safe. Yes. The other two will be in a situation where... The other paladins vote on who to keep. Yes. So it's really funny because when Christian walks into the Hall of Fates, he takes one look at the Fates and you can see the point where he's like, I did not. Oh no. <laughs> like, the Fates are very intimidating. Yeah. And you see Christian in particular be like, ah. So uh, Christian and Kate and Patrick are going to face off in this game. And from a game theory point of view, I love this game. Yes, this is a this, cool game. This is perfect. They have to fire arrows at these targets. Each target represents one of the competitors. Mm-hmm. The person with the least number of arrows in their target wins. Yes. So the idea being, you want to pump as many arrows into the other two targets as you can as fast as possible. Yes. Which means, if you are the best archer, you have an advantage. But you could be the worst archer... And have played a better social game. Yes. That no one targets you and you end up winning. Yes. Likewise, you could be uh, the best archer and still lose this because everyone hates you. you. Yeah. So the idea that this is what the fake games are, where it's like, it's not just who's the best. It's like they can, the other two can mess with you is a great idea. That I thought would continue moving forward. Spoilers. Yes. Uh, Christian is 
relieved because he has archery experience. Yes. And Patrick thinks that he can beat Katie if he's stuck in the bottom two. Yes. So he kind of agrees not to fight Christian as much. Yes, which is good strategy. He's like, if if it comes down to a vote, I have a better chance against Katie, so I'll target Chris, or I will target her so she can't win. Mm-hmm. Which is what I'm saying about this game theory. Yeah. Uh, Christian crushes Yes, the absolutely. And um, I also, this is the moment where I realize they've obviously had training. Yeah. Because their form is quite good mm-hmm. for people who don't necessarily have archery training. Yeah, it's definitely not people picking up a bow for the first time. Because, like, I have very, very minimal archery training. Oddly, so do I. Their form is better than mine. Yeah. Like, easily. And I have a rigged bow. Oh, do you? Uh, yes. This is, like, the most Katniss Everdeen thing. I have my mother's bow. Right. That has pink arrows. Nice. Because, of course it does. It's uh, rigged to be lighter. It doesn't have a standard resistance. It's, like, oh. rigged with five pounds less resistance. Oh, interesting. That's why I use my mom's bow. Okay. So you don't uh, have as much power behind your arrows. No, but I can actually shoot the damn thing. Right. So it's uh, six of one, half a dozen the other. Uh, so Christian wins. Uh, there's going to be a lot of weird personal anecdotes in this episode, I think. Yes, there and is. So Christian is safe. It's between Patrick and Katie. Yes. And they have some time to, like, think about it and talk about it. And the consensus between a lot of them seems to be that, like, Katie just doesn't have her head in the game. Yeah. Katie's not really buying in as hard as everyone else is. Yeah. And this is interesting because everyone gets to discuss first before the vote. Around this large stone table. And it doesn't seem to be a lot of, like... I'm campaigning for this person because they're my friend or this person's a threat. The thing they keep coming back to is always, which one of these people will help us become the true hero? Yes, because the winner is going to be the one true hero. Yes. This feels like a way better opposite worlds. Because yes. it's we see them being like, who will help us get to the future? Yes. So. Uh, There's a lot of gameplay in this that feels like. This is maybe, what Opposite World wanted. Like maybe they watched Opposite Worlds and were like, okay, so this is what we're not doing. <laughs> so, um, they it's not a secret ballot, which I found fascinating. Yes. It's very dramatic. I really like this elimination mechanic because mm-hmm. it looks cool as hell. Right. Uh, the two people who are up for elimination must face the fates. Yes. Who, again, are these three... Crazy stunning women. Yes. Um, And as their paladins come in, they stand at a nice angle at each of their shoulders to be, you know, peak dramatic. Right. While there's dramatic lighting on the two paladins who are up for elimination. And Patrick is saved by everyone except for Lena and Ashley. Yeah, it's important to note, you don't vote someone out. You vote to save. Yes. Which is a very interesting mechanic. Yes. It's more like, I I don't, it's nicer. Yeah. (laughs) It just feels nicer. Yeah. And like, Lena and Katie were roommates, so it makes sense that Lena would want to save Katie. Mm -hmm. And Ashley and Katie had also become close. So like. Yeah. I'm guessing, like, in terms of gameplay here, the story that has happened is... You messed up in a game. 
Mm-hmm. So you you have to face the fates. You messed up in a game again. Yes. So like you should be going home because you messed up twice. Mm-hmm. But then your friends save you. Yeah. Which I think is much nicer than like the paladins must choose someone to be banished. Yes. And that's a lot of this. If you're watching or watching or listening to this and you happen to be on your computer, just pull up a TV tropes tab. Because I'm going to probably use a lot of trope words Okay. the further we get into this. Um, but this is a really great elimination mechanic that you're voting to save instead of voting to leave. And the idea that then the paladins turn around and see who voted for them. Yeah, that's not secrets, which is another just interesting, it's nicer only, thing. It's not only not secret to the audience, it's not secret to the paladins. Right. Which is really interesting, because then, like, if Patrick looks over and sees uh, Lena and Ashley didn't vote for him, will Patrick have an axe to grind with them later? Like, we don't know this yet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, then the paladins are dismissed from the Hall of Fates, except for Katie. Yes. She leaves her piece of the sun spear on the altar and then steps out into the darkness and is vaporized in a less expensive version of Thanos' snap. Yes. And that that means that she is banished from the realm. And then when we see the Hall of the Fates, a ghost uh, graphic of Katie yes. appears over the Hall of Fates to look down on the rest of the paladins. Yes. Which is a cool mechanic. I really like the gone but not forgotten yeah. aspect of that because they make sure to show that, uh, they make sure to show those ghosts every episode. Yeah. So we never The for- journey here. We never forget about the people who have left. And unlike a lot of reality shows, people regularly mention other people who have left. Yeah. This is a really, uh, the TV trope I'm going to use here is True Companions. Okay. Of like, they set up this hero's quest and they're all one of them's the one true hero and is going to be the main character but they have this league of companions that are these people who are important to them for some reason okay and i think that's super interesting so that's the end of the first episode yeah well is there not like a because here's another thing about this show it might not have started here but it was very common for there to be a good chunk of story after elimination. This one does not. Okay. Uh, this one's also the first episode, and I feel like they wanted to stick hardest to the reality show format here. Right. Because this is also the least plot-heavy episode. We True. don't find out a lot about anybody. Yeah, we're establishing here. Uh, we don't even actually find out that much about Ansgar or Creo. Um, or, the, like, we don't find out much of anything about anybody outside of the contestants. Right. Or the, the Ver- or Verlocks, or the, yeah. Episode two. Yeah, let's move on. This starts with Sir Ansgar the Fierce waking everybody up. Yes, harshly. Yeah, he's not like, he's not a cool dad. He's banging on the door telling you to get your ass up. Mm -hmm. Um, Not in those words. Get ye old ass up. Uh, It's colder today because I've noticed the changes in the costumes. Oh, interesting. The costume design is something I want to talk about. The paladin's outfits. Uh, Much more thoughtfully designed than Opposite Worlds. (laughs) Yeah, it's Again, not just white and brown. Um, it's not ill-fitting white clothing. Yeah. It is clearly, like, they have a uniform. Yes. They have what they're wearing, but it's 
practical and thoughtful. It is gendered. It is like there's the female variant and the male variant. Yeah. But the female variant is still practical. Like it's yes. not like they're wearing like shirts and awkward breastplate or yeah. skirts and awkward breastplates. They're mm-hmm. like in like, like it's an MMO. <laughs> yeah, like they're in like leather tunics. Uh they all look the same. There's nothing really like color-wise differentiating them from each other. Right. Um and but they have cool capes when it's cold out. Yes. Like, and I think that's a good thing of, like, someone in the design department went, hey, there might be a point where it's cold out. Yeah. I should plan on that. No one had to Amazon Prime in mm-hmm. a freaking parka in the right shade of brown. Opposite worlds. <laughs> this is going to be, like, the quest with bonus shade at Opposite Worlds. Yeah. Um. So then... Creo coaches them because the queen wishes to see the paladins. Yes. So Creo is coaching them all, crash course and queen etiquette. Everyone genuflects and we meet the queen who is gentle and kind. Yes. So we meet Queen Ralia. She is referred to by name maybe twice. Yeah, it's usually just the queen. Yes. Or, you know, your grace. My queen. Or my queen. I don't want it. <laughs> um, No one does that. Thank God. Uh, the queen is hopeful. She believes in them immediately. Yeah. And demands they be treated well. Yes. Uh, the vizier is, like, not thrilled about that. Yeah, he doesn't. The vizier is like, I don't care for that. don't trust them. Um, the, the vizier is a cat. He, like, reminds me of a cat. Yeah. I don't like it. Mm. Like, he just, like, is grumpy and fussy and, like, just kind of a jerk. Yes. While Creo is a dog. Where he's like, hey, look, I found... I found these people with the sun spear. I brought them. Yeah, Creo is dug from up. Like, he's so happy. Yeah, hey. And then there's Ansgar, which I want to point out in my notes, I spell 36 different ways. Um, so, a dying man bursts into the hall. A dying knight. Oh, right, yes. This injured knight bursts in, and Ansgar pleads for help to, like, save this man. And he's like, we only have a few days before Verlox comes. Right. And everyone's like, oh, well. We should get to work then. Poopy. Let's drop this dead man. <laughs> yeah, so Ansgar's like, all right, we got to start training now. And so they're doing a little bit more training. And then Ansgar holds up a piece of sun spear. Leticia has misplaced her she, piece of the spear. She dropped it while horseback riding. Yes. And it's a big deal that... because. You, like, you lost a piece of Excalibur. Yeah. yeah. Whoops! <laughs> and so then they start getting very paranoid about it. So they'll be like, peace check. Peace check. Yep, got mine. Um, so they do, it is a uh, tournament gauntlet challenge. You are doing, you're on horseback for the whole gauntlet. Yes. You are shooting an arrow at a target, or three arrows at a target, I believe. Yes. Then you are throwing a spear at a target. Yeah. And then you are... Uh, doing a joust. Do a joust. With, not against someone else. Just yeah, you like, just try to hit a target with a jousting stick. Yes. And then you need the Warhammer. To uh, smash a skull. Yeah, you're going to go full Baratheon here. Yeah. And smash a skull with a Warhammer. Yeah. And each thing is worth a certain amount of points. Yes. The the spear and the archery have a target with different point variants. Yes. Uh, the joust and the skull smashing are both worth, they're worth 15 apiece. Yes. So the first person to go is Jasmine. Yes. <laughs> and this is, we didn't see much of Jasmine in the first episode. So this is essentially her establishing uh, character moment is her crushing 
Yeah, this she challenge. destroys this. She beasts this challenge in a way that's like, oh, like she went from being under the radar in the first episode mm. to being suddenly like a contender. Yes. Ansgar praises her in a way that has more romantic or sexual attention than oh. any two people in Daisy of Love. Oh, yeah. It's like. So what is your name? My name is Jasmine, sir. Well done, Jasmine. Thank you, sir. Where did you learn all these things? My imagination. Your imagination. Well learned, sir. You got 91 points. Well done. Thank you, sir. And I like the spirit. Keep it up. I find that very impressive. <laughs> and we start making fun of this immediately. Yeah. I was, like, I, I love this show, but, like, this part was so funny. Immediately we're like, what is happening here? He's like, that was quite impressive. I'll be keeping my eye on you. Ashley goes next, and and she's the horseback riding girl, right? Yes. She does not fall off the horse. She does great with the horse. Yeah. Not great with anything else. Misses the target every time with the archery. I think she gets two points on the spear, and then manages to hit the joust and the hammer. Mm -hmm. And then the tone is different with Asgard. As if he was like, you scored 32 points. It's not good enough. Not into that. I am... Completely flaccid. Oh my god. <laughs> Join the others. I can't believe you just said that. That, <laughs> that is my re- was my legit reaction. I was like, oh, he's completely flaccid. He can't. This, this was not good enough for him. This was not made better when Bonnie said, Bonnie does not do particularly well and says, it's like disappointing daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to say we handled this maturely. Call them daddy. This is going to be the joke for the rest of the show to us. Yeah, and it was. And it was. Um, Leticia does not do well, but she does better than Ashley. And then we get a bunch of people who are uh, really... We get a montage, essentially. People just uh, varying degrees of success. We're not going to skip my favorite moment with, I believe, Lena, are we? Uh, No, sure. We don't have to. Lena... I believe it's Lena. Forgive me if it is not. Lena says, I have a problem... Because I'm ambidextrous. So I don't know which hand is doing things. And then they cut to her throwing the wrong end of the spear at the target. I was like, what does that have to do with being ambidextrous? Yeah, like she just throws like the butt end of the spear. Yeah. It's like if you shot an arrow just backwards yeah. with a pointy part toward you. It's like if you went to drive a car and you got in the back seat and went, ah, sorry, I'm ambidextrous. And then um, Andrew, like, bows before the queen after his run and calls her my lady. Is my lady? Damn it! And then, like, clearly violating queen etiquette. And Creo looks like he's like, oh no! Like, if you see Creo at this point, Creo's like, well, the queen then says, did you hear that? Called me my lady. And then she does that, like, happy shoulder shake. Yeah, I have a... <laughs> I got called my lady. Yeah, I have a note that she's like, yeah, maybe she thinks Andrew's attractive. There's a lot of weird sexual tension in this episode. Yeah, there's some sexual tension in this. You um, cut it with a sword. Uh, Bonnie does not do well, but Bonnie swears she can do better. Yes. So this is like a big establishing moment for Bonnie of, I can do better. I swear I will do better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Then we have Shondo. Yes. Shondo just like, uh, mm-hmm. this challenge means nothing. He is just on it. Yeah. Thump, thump, thump. Like, he beats this challenge to the point where it's like, Almost swings into being hilarious. He wins by a hundred points. Yeah, like... He gets a hundred and eighty-some points. Yeah, and, like, Jasmine, who was the second best performer, had gotten eighty. Yes. Like, he smashes this challenge. We also have to talk about Christian. Yes. Christian does not do well. Yeah, and everyone's kind of bummed because he was giving everyone tips on what to do. Yeah, he was, like, a super know-it-all. So he... And he bombs the challenge, and the Grand Vizier (laughs) leans over and goes... Who is that woman on the horse? <laughs> like, that's a man. That's a man. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, the vizier misgenders Christian. Yes. I think we made a joke that he was canceled. Yeah. yeah. We Then they canceled the grand vizier. Oh, I don't know why my, my notes on this are, like, horrifically vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we were making all those jokes about, depending on how well you did, was how turned on Asgard was. Like, instead of saying someone did poorly, I said someone ate a dick on the challenge. <laughs> yeah. We might have been a little drunk. We might have been drunk on the last episode. episode. Yeah. Um, so then the bottom three are Christian, Ashley, and Jimbo Slice. Yes. And it's the horseshoe challenge. Yes. They, they are taken to... See the fates, and I don't 100% understand this challenge. You have to put on an apron. Yes. Use tongs to pull out horseshoes. Mm-hmm. Hammer them, and then use six nails to attach them to a wheel. And, like, all the horseshoes are different sizes, so you have to get it, like, perfect. Yes. I don't understand the hammering them part. I mean, it's a smithing thing. Like, you would have to hammer them into, like, the appropriate shape. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing. They're not actually being heated in a kiln. That's true. Like, so, like, what what is done in the show in terms of game theory Mm -hmm. to establish a properly hammered thing? Because there's a moment where he hits it and, like... Some black soot, like, comes off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that what you're just trying to break off with the hammer? Maybe. Uh, it's it's very unclear. And the, the challenges are often shot in a way that, like, they're very quick. Yes. So there's a, this challenge in particular was the one where I was like, um, what's happening? And the, the two things I want to point out is, in one of the talking heads, they're like, Christian didn't put his apron on right away. He's touching the horseshoes with his hands. He's all over the place. And those were things they specifically said not to do. But then there's no, like, discussion of whether he's disqualified or if there is any penalty for this. Yeah, he's not penalized. It's not, like, discussed whether it's cheating. But in the end, it doesn't really matter yes. because he doesn't win. He doesn't win. Uh, Jim? Jimbo Slice. Uh Jim wins. Yes. And Jim is safe for another day. Yes. But, but Ashley and Christian do not stop. Yes, they, they have to finish, which is interesting. I don't, I don't know if they have to finish or if they choose to finish. Well, I think there's there's also an element of after Jim wins, he is not established as the winner. Yes. So there's some sort of like, he might be wrong in mm-hmm. what he's done. So the person who comes in second would win. Right. Uh, the other thing I want to point out is we have lost the concept from the first challenge where there's also a social economic, 
advantage here because there's no screwing anyone over. There's no targeting each other. It's simply who does this the best. Yes. Oh, it's also um worth. We forgot to mention the mark of dexterity, the Pokemon badge for this one. Oh yes, Shondo. Yes. Shondo gets the mark of like, dexterity. Like it's not even like a little close. Mm-hmm. They Ansgar kind of looks at him and goes like, "Well, sure he's Shondo." Yeah. Um. So then we have there are. Nine people voting. Yes. And it is four and four. Yes. And Andrew is the deciding vote. And Andrew is notably close to Christian. Mm-hmm. So That's Andrew... Andrew sta- uh, saves Christian. And Christian is left to stay. Mm-hmm. Now, so that leaves Ashley to be banished. Yes. Now, this show starts the... There is now plot after the elimination. Okay. Um, we see, like, Shondo congratulating Jim, um, you know, Bonnie mourns for Ashley because they were friendly, and Leticia and Jasmine console her, and then they're eating dinner. Yes. And they, the queen asks to join them for dinner, and they take this as the honor it is. Mm Mm-hmm. And they kind of explain a little bit about the history, that Creo's family has been serving as the royal steward for... A couple of generations now. At least two generations back from Creo. Right. According to my sources, which we will get into later. Um, so everyone's eating. They discuss how, like, the queen's brother died. And so she's queen. She doesn't have a husband. Because her husband also passed away. And the vizier joins them. And there's, like, a musical sting when the vizier joins them that kind of, like, broadcasts that he's, like... Yeah, it's not a good sting. Yeah. It's like, oh, are you evil? Interesting. It's kind of like a... Yeah, like, yeah. Like evil music. And the queen makes a toast and everyone drinks. And the queen begins to choke. Yes. Very Queen Gertrude. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if Verlux would have gotten as powerful as he is today had my brother sat on the throne as he was destined to. Prince looks down on you with pride, I can assure you of that. Well, I hope he does, Sir Ansgar. But enough about the past. Why, Vizier? Majesty. Come over here. My pleasure. Paladins. Bring some wine for the Vizier. Let us salute the future. To the Paladins, our great heroes from the other world, who have come to free our lands of the evil that has overtaken us. I thank you all for your selfless dedication and your bravery. May the fates be with you all. And with you, Your Grace. Well, paladins, how do you think you did in your tent? My queen? My queen. What? What's going on? What's going on? What's happening? Queen. Queen has been poisoned. Yeah. Ansgar holds her up as he as she begins to choke and carries her out. And the vizier announces that she's been poisoned. And Creo and the Vizier run out after the Queen. And the episode ends with the eleven the ten paladins remaining. All kind of like, oh no. Yeah. And that's how that episode ends. 
Yeah. The episodes also begin to start ending on cliffhangers. Yeah, yeah. It starts to feel more like a show than a reality show. Yeah, which... The way it ends. Which is an interesting mechanic, that the elimination is not the most important part of the show. Yeah. The way it would be on, like, a dating show. Mm-hmm. Where I can't think of a dating show where it doesn't end on the elimination. I, I can't think of a reality show where it doesn't end on the elimination. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, who done it. Did who done it end with the murders or start with the murders? It ends on so- we watch someone die. Okay. I, for some reason, couldn't remember... We tend to binge watch these shows, so sometimes the endings and the beginnings get a little yeah, bit, yeah. like, blurry for me. And also, we watched Who Done It a year ago. So, uh, episode three is the next morning. Right. Uh, actually, we talked about the history a little bit. Sure. I want to talk about... I'm going to say a lot of things that sounds like I'm pulling out of my butt. Okay. So, I would like it to be made clear that I'm not doing that. Uh, because there, I have a lot of stuff that's not necessarily in the show. Right. Because uh, The Quest has a an extremely active fan community to this day. Oh. Uh, there's a Facebook group called The Quest Army. And they are extremely responsive and extremely friendly. And, Hi. Uh, one of them sent me The Quest book. Yeah. Which... Uh, she was largely responsible for writing with the help of several other members of the Quest Army. And it's a 127-page document. Wow. That includes history, a summary of the show, a summary of each paladin. Um, a website called The Geek Initiative did interviews with several of the actors and several of the contestants. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those are included and a lot of that information is included. Um, and a lot of lore about, like, what the kingdoms are like, what the prophecy is, um, who the people of Sanctum are. Okay. And then, like, a little bit of it is kind of the, like, where are they now? What are we now? But, so I have this, this is the single largest show for research. Yeah. By a landslide. I think whodunit might be next. Cause like, just, it's a fantasy novel. There's all this background. Yeah, there's a ton of lore. Um, a lot of which we probably won't even get to discuss on the show because it's not, uh, we're already an hour deep and we're on episode two. Yeah. Um, this is a two-parter, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually had this discussion today. So I just wanted to establish that I'm not just, like, making stuff up when I say stuff that's not necessarily, like, in the show or made explicit in the show. Right. Uh, some of this stuff is just things that I found in my bountiful research. Uh, the Geek Initiative ran these incredible interviews with the cast. So occasionally I'm going to come up with something that, like, was from one of them. Uh, this is really just a cool, like, resource to have. Yeah. I wish we had more shows that had this level of resource. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I really want a book about opposite worlds. Like, How do you not want a book about opposite and, worlds? And then they traveled to the Wild West. <laughs> do you not? I would love... Geek initiative level interviews on the cat with the cat. No, I, I'm talking worlds. about like a book of lore about opposite worlds, where no. it's like, and they actually traveled to the wild no, west, screw and you. the science behind. You no, know what I'm selling myself on this. In this yeah, joke, no, I was like, the science that allows these two times to exist parallel with each other. You have to remember, like my summer reading this summer was a book called Song of the Spider Man. I don't have to remember that about how like. What happened with the musical of Spider-Man? 
So when you said like a book about opposite worlds, I'm like, I am first in line. Again, I'm saying the lore, not what actually happened. I'm saying the lore. Yeah, no, I still want it. <laughs> All right. All right, episode three. <laughs> it's the next morning and the Grand Vizier is out of ideas. Yes, the queen is very poisoned. Uh, the queen is super poisoned. And he's like, well, uh, tonally, this episode is the most like whodunit. Yeah. This is the most detail. This is the most um, makeup heavy. Yeah, because they have to go through all these scrolls to find one that matches the queen's symptoms exactly. Yes. So that they can find the proper anecdote. Antidote. Antidote. Excuse me. This moment I find very annoying. Yes. They are going through it and the, the symptoms are something like blue lips, mm-hmm. uh, dark eyes, uh, and skin like ice. And they're like, they're reading stuff and like, skin is dark. Does that, could that mean ice and stuff like that? Maybe it's just different wording. Yeah, no one touched her. Yeah, no one touched her. I don't know. And they're going through it. And they're having an argument about, like, it could be this one or it could be this one. Well, I think it's the I think it's this. And as they're having this argument, Creo's like, I have more scrolls. <laughs> and they're like, oh, so the answer wasn't freaking here. <laughs> like, I, as, as a player, I would have been real upset if he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to give you these. Hey, here it is. <laughs> to me, that feels super realistic because I've been Creo in that situation. I think that's why you're so mad, is because I think I've done this to you. Yeah. Oh, you can't find it? Oh, it might be in my pocket. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you lost something, like, a week ago that you were like, I haven't seen the Nintendo Switch in a while, and I was, I, like, produced it from, like, a reusable shopping bag. Yes! In, like, the closet. And now I didn't have time to make any Mario Maker levels. It's very mm-hmm. sad. It's oh, very sad to be me. Let's make a Quest Mario Maker level. That'd be fun. Okay. Um... So, they choose an antidote, and they, they're like, they need dragon tears. Yes. My guess was this this was going to be an herb. Yes. Nope. Super <laughs> no. literal. Yeah. It is... The tears of a dragon. Yes. So, they go to find the collector, who is not Benicio Del Toro. No, not... Um, it's Miracle Max. It, <laughs> or Miracle Max's wife. No, it's Miracle Max. Yeah. It's a female character, but her makeup design is Miracle Max. Yeah, it's very close no, to Miracle Max. It's not Carol Kane. She's not that beautiful. <laughs> um, she looks exactly like Miracle Max. We started yelling Princess Bride quotes yes, at each yes. other. Yes, yes. Have fun storming the castle. Um, so she is going to help them with the ingredients, but they have to work for it. Yes. Because reality show. So there is ingredients behind these doors. The idea is you get through a door, you grab the ingredient, and then you move on to the next door, and you break through that one, and you grab an ingredient, and you break all the way through until you get dragon tears. And there's only a certain number of each ingredient behind each door. It goes down a little bit each time. Each time. So the idea is you can force there to be a bottom three for how this show works. Yes. Uh, the first door is there's a lock that has tar over it. Yes. So they have to scrape the tar off. Yes. And unlock it and get through. Uh, everyone struggles with this. It's it's tough. Yes. Uh, but the towards the bottom we get Bonnie. Yes. We get I forget. 
who else? Christian. Christian and someone else. Uh, the bottom three for this one are Jim, Bonnie, and Christian. Jim, Bonnie, and Christian. Christian loses his key. Yes. So even if he gets the tar off, when he gets the tar off his lock, he cannot unlock it. He cannot open it. So he's just digging around looking for this key. And Bonnie's having trouble with the tar. Yes. And Bonnie says, I will look for your key if you get tar off my lock. Yes. And they switch. And I think it's Leticia is like, mm, this is bullcrap. Yeah, Leticia does not buy it. It's BS. But Bonnie's looking for the key and Christian's like, I'm not really going to. I considered not helping. And he doesn't do as good of a job as he could. Yeah. Getting the tar off of this lock. It is at this point where I decide Christian's not really a contestant. Okay. I start forming this theory that he is working for Vorlocks. I keep getting Vorlocks. Vorlocks. Because, one, he looks the most like an actor that would be in this world. Fair. And two, he's been bad at everything. Yes, okay. So, like, I'm wondering, like, are you failing on purpose because eventually you're going to turn on the group? Yeah, and I, I love that idea because one of our biggest issues with whodunit yeah. was that one of the contestants was the killer, but they did an absolute crap job making that mechanic work. Right. Uh, because there was no evidence that that person was the killer, and that person won a bunch of challenges and actually had to be coached to play worse. Yeah. So this feels like... Again, this feels like they watched Who Done It the previous summer and were like, okay, if we're going to have an inside man for Verlocks, we should make him smarter yeah. and more obviously um, not... A strong player. Yes. Yeah, so I immediately be- grow uh, suspicious of Christian here and think that maybe he's not actually playing the game. This is where another theory comes into my brain. Uh-huh. I wanted it to be possible for them to fail. Yes. Because the first two episodes were all about training. Mm-hmm. Like they are learning to be heroes. This is the first time where there's an event with stakes. Yes. The queen I- could die. I was wondering if there was an event where there could be a fail state where it's like, you were asked to do this. You were unsuccessful. Now the story will do the plot where the queen dies instead of the story where the queen survives. I would love to know that because the um, the actor said there was a loads of improv. Oh, well, somebody has to win this. Yes. Like, th- there is no fail state. Right. Yeah, the, it's absolutely like the the show to to use D&D terms. The story is on rails. Yes. Like no matter what happens, you will get to the point where you do X so Y can happen. Right. This is not a branching story. Right. And I was a little disappointed in that that like no matter what we will reach whatever point you're on. Mhm. I mean, I guess you can kind of also make the argument, like, the whole thing is about a prophecy. Yes. So you could say, like, well, they were fated to succeed. But there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if they're going to go this route. And when it was clear that they weren't, I was a little bummed. I also think we're looking at it like people who are more into fantasy and science fiction and... um, LARPing. Nerd culture (laughs) than some of the viewers might have been. That is true. 
if there was a fail state, would that be violating the contract, the implicit contract a TV show has with the viewer? Of like, when you watch, say, Daisy of Love, if Daisy had left the show with no one, what was the point? Well, I'm not saying a fail state in that there is an element where, like, the show just ends because they all die or something like that. I'm just saying, like, the the stakes are the queen might die. Mm -hmm. If you don't succeed, the queen dies and we tell the story without the queen. And, like... There could be parts of, like, upcoming episodes where it's like, you need to do this. Or you need to travel to uh, that realm over there. Or, like, the the neighboring town. Yeah. There was a shortcut to it, but only the queen knew it. Okay. So you're going to have to go through the marsh. And just be like, okay, because we failed here, this is happening. Had we not failed, we know that would have happened. Something like that I was like hoping they would go into it see the one counterpoint though is that since it's a it's a 10 episode show if the queen had died that might have just always been part of the script and we might have been looking at it as like a would there have been a way the queen could have survived oh i think you i think through gameplay you could have shown it yeah because the idea i had was like let's say that dragon tears was really like an herb okay there is a game that you play where it's like, get as much of it as possible. The person who gets the most will get the badge. Right. The three who get the least will get the fate. As a team, you need 300. Okay. So, like, it's very clear, like, this is what needs to happen for you to save the queen. If you don't, you will not save the queen. Okay. Like, I was hoping for elements like that. Yeah, I imagine it would have been... Very difficult to rescript on the fly. Well, you write it all. I know. You write, you write all of the choose your own adventure endings. I do think it's interesting because for the contestants, I believe that they didn't know. The contestants, the experience the contestants have would be an extremely expensive LARP. Mm-hmm. Because they are like really in this and they don't know. If this antidote is going to save the queen. Yeah. Uh, Andrew wins the challenge. He's the first one to put his yes. antidote together. So so real quick. it's First it's the door that uh, you got to get the tar off. Yes. After that you have to cut rope. Is that what the next one is? I'm not sure. I think, I think it's cut rope. And then there's one you have to dig underneath. Yes. And then the last one you just plow through, like it's most extreme elimination challenge. Yeah, you have to like Kool-Aid man your way. It was just like, use your strength, get through this. And he's like, oh, okay. Pow! Yeah. And Andrew's like, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, So Andrew wins the mark of, Andrew wins the mark of wisdom. Wisdom. And it was like, yeah, the way you got that tar off. The way you Kool-Aid man through that The way you dug that hole. Um, Wise. And when they can, when they create the potion, the hag screams at them to run. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to note that when they're running away, Bonnie falls. Yeah. Like full Halloween scream queen falls. <laughs> falls. Yeah. And Adria runs back to help her. Mm-hmm. And this bond between Adria and Bonnie is really important in the series, yeah. as well as the bond between uh, Bonnie and Patrick. The three of them kind of have this like small family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That starts to form. Uh, Andrew gives her the potion and the queen uh, starts to come around. And 
we're now dealing with the idea that Jim, Bonnie, and Christian are in the bottom three. Yeah. Uh, and we have some time before the Fates Challenge, and Jim and Bonnie are really upset, but they're very well liked. And public opinion doesn't seem super charitable toward Christian at this time. Yeah, because he's he's in the bottom... Like, the way that they've been voting has been, like, who shows the most skills and will be the most helpful in this battle. Christian's now been in the bottom three times in a row. Out of three times. Out of three times. A hundred percent of the time. So now, like, they question his value. Yes. Um, This is also when we start kind of seeing them start building the tropes of who each character fulfills. Uh, The editors do a really good job of creating kind of this who each character is in the quest. And they're already building Bonnie as the heart of the group. Yeah. We see them sitting around and Bonnie sings a song called The Ballad of Everrealm that she wrote. That's a really sweet little song. Mm -hmm. And she sings well. And it's this establishing character moment of their growing camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And then the next talking head, Shondo literally calls her the heart of the group. Yeah. After I've taken this note and I wanted to be like, I was right. Yeah. Uh, So we kind of have this, uh, the scale challenge now. It's another like chemistry-esque challenge and there is red white and yellow bone that need to be uh ground in the right quantities to uh, balance the scale yes so they're kind of racing against time to set up this Mm -hmm. and they're working like crazy to do this it's not terribly visibly visually it's a little bit hard to understand what's going on but uh from what I understand, they had giant pieces of chalk. Yes. That they ground up and then put into these like little spoons and tried to make this scallop, this like balanced scale. And Bonnie says something like, I see that Christian has a lot of white and I re- that made me realize that I need red. And I was like, are they different weights? Like, it, this is one of the unclearest of the... Yeah, like how are they weighted... This is a weird one. This was also... I had this, like, weird thought during this. I was like, it would have been really funny if they had, like, a stoner archetype. Who was like, I know what a gram looks like. (laughs) Like, like that was my first thought of, like... But one of the things fascinating about the show is how little the paladins uh, reference anything modern. Yeah, I mean, that also could be editing. But, like, it definitely... There's definitely a feel, like, everyone is genuinely in it. Yes. Like there's n- there's no one delivers any lines where it's like yeah and then there's dragons and like where it feels forced and that they're like playing pretend. No. Everyone feels like they are in this world. Yeah like nobody is making the kind of comments that like I'm making about like and her makeup design is Miracle Max. Uh, like no one's saying anything yeah. like that. They are completely immersed in this world. Bonnie wins. Bonnie wins this one. And there's a great character moment where Bonnie wins and Lena crows in victory. Yeah. Lena is so thrilled that Bonnie has won. Mm-hmm. So we kind of see how important Bonnie is to the group. And so Bonnie has saved herself. And it's Jim versus Christian. Yes. And uh, Shondo really pushing for Jimbo Slice. Yeah. Because he... no one buys in more. Than Jimbo Slice. Yeah, he advocates very strongly for Jim. 
And uh, when they do the vote, uh, only Shondo and Jasmine vote for Jim. Yeah, it's a bummer. And everyone else votes for Christian. Which surprised me. And I am mad. Yeah, I'm I, I'm really surprised that they went with Christian again. Uh, my note, eliminated. Jim, wait, what the shit? This sucks. Yeah, um, it's, it's a bummer. Because I really liked Jim. I liked Jimbo Slice. And I really liked Jim and Shondo together and would have watched a reality show that was just like them on a road trip. Mm-hmm. And Leticia has this thought that uh, Bonnie advocated for Christian because she felt he had helped her in the challenge. Right. So Leticia felt like everyone had voted for Christian because they thought he helped Bonnie. And Leticia mourns that she was not as strong as Jasmine. Yeah. Because Jasmine and Shondo voted for Jim because Jim was the better man. Mm -hmm. And Leticia voted for Christian because everyone else voted for Christian. Right. And so she kind of mourns that, like, Jasmine had been stronger than she was and Jasmine had done the right thing. And uh, Shondo mourns for Jim. And then uh, we see them outside. Yes. And they're kind of just, like, doing tasks, cleaning up the castle yard. Yeah, this is just interesting in general because it's like, well, you're here, so you're part of this community, so you're going to help. Yeah. So, like, we see... There's also someone whose job it is in the castle to walk these two dogs they're hunting hounds and we just see it's just cool that we see them all the time but it's weird to be like yes you're gonna live your fantasy of being in a fantasy world you're gonna get to do everything that you get to do in a fantasy world you know what part of that is horse poop yeah chopping wood get shoveling <laughs> and like this is one of those shows where i feel like you and i both spent a lot of time thinking about like what we would do in this show mm-hmm. and i'm just picturing the b-roll of them all helping out and then me chasing the guy playing Walking the two Irish wolfhounds, like, let me pet those dogs! (laughs) And just being useless. I would have been voted out, like, immediately on the show. Because I would have been obnoxious and useless. Um, But then an alarm sounds. And then we kind of realize why they're out there. Because they're out there for plot reasons. Right. So a horse panics and the castle is under attack. Yes. And then that is how that episode ends. Troll in the dungeon. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it feels, um, no. No, I do not remember no, correctly. No, they're just under attack and alarm sounds. Oh, that's right, okay. Yeah. Episode four starts, and it's a drill. Yeah, it turns out it's a drill. So then, uh, Asgard is Superman. Mm-hmm. Asgard is like, if that had not been a drill, we'd all be dead. Yes. You guys suck. Mm-hmm. We need to keep doing stuff. Yes. Is this where he asks who's to blame? Um, I don't think so yet. I think he asks who to blame when they're bat when they're like training with the swords. No, I think this is who's. Oh, to you're blame. right. Okay. Yeah, he, he. And this is where Asgard's like. As you maybe have figured out, this was a drill. Vorlox's army is closing in, but fortunately, he has not yet arrived. If he was here, the castle would be taken by now, and Vorlox would be sitting up there, and he would rule Everon. Who is responsible for you showing up like this before me? 
Whose fault is it? It's my fault. You deserve to be prepared, and it's my job to prepare you. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. You saved the queen. My queen. And I thank you for that. The kingdom thanks you for that. Tomorrow, we're gonna start again. Training and a test. And they're all like, oh no, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and Sorry. Th this is like a good character moment for him because it's like, okay, he cares about these people. And yeah. he's not just going to like spit on them for failing. He cares enough to be like, it is my responsibility for you to succeed. And it's also this good moment of him kind of, like, starting to soften toward them just a little tiny bit. Yeah. Like, he's still hard on them, but you're starting to see that there's, like, an underlying affection for the paladins. Yeah. Like, Creo is outright affectionate toward the paladins and likes them a lot. And Scar, it takes a little bit longer. So, then Shondo, Andrew, and Bonnie randomly pick the team Captain Arrows from the Quiver, because that's yes. how they do random in this. Shondo chooses Patrick and Jasmine for his team. Bonnie chooses Adria and Leticia. And Andrew chooses Christian and Lena. And uh, they start to do, like, they start to tussle with swords. They're learning how to use swords and shields. It's clear that they've had this additional training because they are too good and too uninjured for... yes. Uh, people who've never picked up a sword before. Yeah, I mean, like, I've done a little bit of stage combat. So it seemed to me where it was like, you do these strikes and I'll do the blocks, then I do those strikes and you do the blocks. It seems like they're doing the same, like, attack-parry combo each time. Yeah. Which is, like, it's fine. Like, I'm not dissing the show for that. Yeah, but, but it's clear it's not the first moment ever they've picked up a sword. Yeah, it's, it's clear that they're tr not trying to kill each other. Yes. Uh, and this is one of my favorite moments, mm -hmm. is Shondo and Christian are fighting. Yes. And Asgard goes up to Shondo and goes, what is his greatest weakness? And Shondo points, like, two fingers at him, like, super intensely. Yeah, like a Disney cast member. And says, uh, his right arm when he attacks, which is a super, like, MMA thing to see. Yeah, this is Shondo's wheelhouse. Where it's like, when he attacks, he leaves himself open, that's where I would strike him. And then he goes up to Christian, he goes, what's Shondo's weakness? And he goes, his mind. Which is a super, like, different way to see things. Yeah. Where he's like, he's overly emotional and competitive. It's like, oh, all right, cool. Like, I think that's a cool, like, character-establishing moment. Yeah. Ansgar is insanely intense in the sequence. Yes. Um, it's hot. Um, just gonna say it. You need to know what's going wrong. If I'm out in the battle, Kriu, come here. Sorry, Iskar. He's not a courageous guy. And if I go to battle with him, I want to know that. You need to know the weak points, because you need to cover up for them. War is nothing nice. 
What I'm doing is preparing you. Uh, Grand Vizier is also watching full stank face. Yeah, it's not hot. Yeah, it's not even a little bit hot. And the Grand Vizier is not turned on by any of this. No. Um, so Lena calls out, she's on a team with Andrew and Christian. Yes, and Asgard like, like what's wrong with your team? And like, he's trying to stir the shit. Yeah. And Lena calls out Christian and Andrew's bromance. Mm-hmm. And that is her term. It's the only like slang term we hear fairly often in the show is bromance. Yeah. And she's sharp about it. And they kind of both like try to underplay it because Andrew realizes that Christian is being seen as a weakness for him. Yeah. In something that is reminiscent yet again of opposite worlds. JR is super likable in early episodes. But the longer he spends with Jeffrey, the less likable he becomes. Yeah. This is Andrew and Christian. Because mm-hmm. especially in the previous episode, Christian's kind of a snake. Yeah. So Andrew is less and less likable because he's close to Christian. And so he's concerned about Christian being a weakness for him. Yes. So Leticia refuses to point out weaknesses in Adrian and Bonnie. She puts mm-hmm. them over and like, Talks about how great they are. And Ansgar is unhappy. But you bore me to death. Stop being so nice! Stop being so nice! And it's one of the only times you see a cast member corpse. Oh, does someone... Bonnie kind of does. Oh. Like, he yells, stop being so nice, and then Bonnie smiles. And you're like, no, no, that's just... What what did he just say? Mm -hmm. Um, Then... Ansgar, like, makes fun of Creo, calls him a wuss, like, kind of all but calls him a wuss. Yeah. Um, and the vizier, uh, does some more stank facing, which I felt the need to point out. Yeah, more stank face. And then the twist is you are not battling the other teams. You're going to be in a three-way battle against your teammates. Yes. So this is now a huge problem in particular for Lena and Jasmine. Yeah. Because Lena is up against Andrew and Christian, who are larger men. And Jasmine is up against Shondo and Patrick, who are the largest men. Yes. So Jasmine's at this, like... And Jasmine is also the smallest competitor. Yes, she's tiny. Um, so then they take them to the Battle Dome. Yes. Welcome to the Battle Dome. Yeah, and it's, it's very much a Thunderdome type, like, where everyone's around you. Coliseum field. Yes. And you climb up into this, like, thing, and there's, like, kind of like a balance beam of sorts. Yeah, it looks like maybe hay bales? Well, yeah, there's there's hay bales in the middle, Mm -hmm. but, like, there's a balance beam around it, and then each one has a path to the middle. Okay. So the object is you stay on the balance beam, you attack with your sword and your shield, to knock your competitors off the balance beams into the hay. Yes. So we're going to have some battles. Yes. And then the first to fall from each team will be sent to the fates. Yes. It will not be, like, it's not going to be Shondo, Patrick, and Jasmine going to the fates. Yes. The first to fall from each team, which is another, like, similar to the arrow challenge where it's like two people could just team up on someone. Yeah. Uh, so then the net and. The winner from each team will be sent to the final battle to decide who gets the mark. Right. So first, it's Lena, Christian, and Andrew. Yes. Predictably, Lena gets wrecked. Yeah. Because she's small. 
Because she's small, she busts her face, right? She yeah, her- she does. She gets hit in the face real hard. She goes down swinging. Like, yeah. she fights. And then Christian gets rocked by Andrew. Because mm-hmm. Andrew is going for it. And Andrew doesn't want to be weak. Right. So Lena's out first, but Andrew's moving on. Right. Um, Adria and Bonnie try to double team Leticia. Yeah, and she's immediately like, really? Uh, but then Adria trips. Adria just takes a bad step and is like, oh, bother. Yeah, and it is a little bit of that. Like, that's kind of her attitude. Like, oh. I lost to gravity. And then Bonnie puts up a better fight than Christian does. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Andrew immediately wrecks Christian. Bonnie puts up a fight, but Leticia does win. Yes. Now, for that team, this was a difficult day in their lives. For Shondo, this is Tuesday. Yeah. Shondo is excited. Now... Jasmine makes a power move, but is taken out fairly quickly. He also manages to pretty easily defeat Patrick. Right. Um, This game does kind of suck for Jasmine and Lena. It does. And both of them make it a point to say so. Yeah. In the talk. Jasmine, like, is legit, like, well, this wasn't fair. And to be fair, like, if I'm being a small girl, I can super see where, like, you know... Especially Jasmine. Jasmine's up against, like, two brick wall people. Mm-hmm. And she is, like, 5'3 and 100 pounds. And I, I agree with this. I also feel like we had not had something that was purely physical. Yeah. Yet. And, like, eventually you, you gotta have one. There is that social economical part of this where, like, Jasmine could have said to, like, Shonda, like, hey... Please protect me. Yeah. And maybe he would have done it. And they could have just gone out after Patrick together. Yeah. Like, there was a route that they could have taken. But they we never see that happen. Right. So then, the final is Leticia, Andrew, and Shondo. Yes. And this is where we see this interesting moment of underestimation for the first mm-hmm. time. Underestimating other competitors does become a theme in the show. Yes. Andrew and Shondo immediately focus on each other. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Goldberg spears Shanto <laughs> and gets him out pretty quickly. So Andrew spears Shondo, and then after getting Shondo out, he goes after Leticia, who wins. Yeah, he she just kind of like redirects his energy. Yeah. Because he goes for another spear. She judos him. Yeah. Like kind of uses his own momentum to launch him into the pit. Yeah. It's a crowning moment of heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Everyone's thrilled. Yeah. Because it, it, Leticia was at a disadvantage going in mm-hmm. against Shondo and Andrew, who are both, like, super big jocks. Yeah. And she wins the mark of strategy, which I think is an appropriate mark for yeah. her to have won. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if, like, Shondo would win the mark of strategy because his whole thing My would strategy been, like, is I'm bigger than everyone. Yeah. Uh, she's beaming. So is everyone else. Ansgar is looking at her like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always impressed by the competitors who do well. And I guess the actor's tics are that, like, his version of being impressed is extraordinarily sexually charged. Yeah. And uh, Leticia is really proud of Jasmine. And she's... Leticia and Jasmine are very close. Yes. Leticia looks up to Jasmine. Because we saw that in the previous episode where, like, Jasmine voted for Jim because it was the right thing to do. Leticia went along to get along. 
and regrets it. Uh, Christian promises that he and Andrew have Lena's back, but, like, their word doesn't feel like it's worth anything by this point. Yeah. So this kind of feels like this weird Christian-Andrew-half-Lena alliance is already falling apart in episode four. Yeah. Because Christian and Andrew don't feel honest, and it feels like anyone outside the two of them is secondary. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Like, Christian and Andrew will help each other first. It it's opposite worlds again. Yeah. With uh, Lauren and... Sam. Sam. And RJ is third. Yeah. We go into the Hall of Fate, and for the first and only time, and I have a problem with this being the only time they do it, the fates are hooded and cloaked. Because yeah, darkness is what coming. What was this? And it may because darkness is coming. Yeah. It would have made sense if they were hooded and cloaked for the next several episodes. No, I it probably just chilly that night. Yeah, it <laughs> but they justify it. Yeah. Instead of being like it cold, they say darkness is coming. Mm-hmm. And they try to sound really impressive about it, when really it's like those dresses are not very thick. Yes. And then Next week, it's it's a bit humid. Yes. We had to, we took it off. It's darkness is coming. But, you know, I'm verklempt. So the bottom three are Jasmine, Lena, and Adria. Yes. And it's a skull smashing challenge. Yeah. They, they They're put... winging skulls at you and you have to hit them with a sword. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit weird. And it's a batting cage. It's a batting cage. It's also the only one... Where people take turns. Yes. So there's always that little bit of like fear factor strategy of the person who goes first didn't get to watch anyone else do it. While the other people are like, okay, this is the mistake they're making. I will not make that mistake. Just throwing that out there. So Jasmine and Lena perform okay, but Adria wins. So Adria is safe and Jasmine and Lena the group is very divided in the conversation. Yes. Uh, so it's, you know, should we go with Jasmine? Should we go with Lena? They both fought well. They're both intelligent. Um, we haven't seen Lena perform super well to this point. Yeah, we she's did been see Jasmine, middle of the road. Yeah, Lena's pretty middle of the pack right now. Jasmine performed really well in the previous challenge. Yeah, on the horseback. So then uh, Leticia... And Shondo support Jasmine, and everyone else supports Lena. Yeah. Uh, Lena embraces Jasmine, and Lena's very upset. Uh, not as upset as Leticia, because that was her, like, best friend in the castle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lena confesses that, in a talking head, that she feels like the game changes once you've been in a Fates challenge. Once uh, you feel like you were about to go home, suddenly, like, she gets the game. Okay. And she effusively thanks everyone who votes for her. Yeah. And she said, like, I didn't expect that. Thank you so much. And then the queen rides in and she's perfectly healthy. Yeah. Like, everything's good. They're doing chores again in the castle. Uh, Ansgar's flirting real hard with Leticia. Yeah, like he does. And an ogre breaks in. End of episode. Oh, no. The troll in the dungeon. Yep. This is troll in the dungeon. Troll in the dungeon. Again, we... Now, every credit sequence is the Hall of Fates without the Fates in it, and then the ghost image of whoever's been eliminated. Yes. So, episode five. Troll in the dungeon. Troll in the dungeon. 
they have a uh, they have a battle plan. The ogre and Ansgar are fighting one on one. Yes, and the group is supposed to create a scorpion. Yes, to dispatch the ogre. That that's the big crossbow. They're putting together the scorpion. Again. Yes, and Asgar is fighting this ogre and screaming. Like, there he is. <laughs> What was that? Come on, guys. Is it ready? Can we try it? Move it. Let's move it this way. Oh, God, guys. Any day now. Any time now. Once again, brings up that idea that there should be a fail state. Of like, if the scorpion gets built, they could kill the ogre and save Asgard. If they fail, the ogre will kill him. That is not what happens. They are not given all the pieces. What? They were not given all the pieces to uh, finish the scorpion. Okay, so it's forced story. Yes. Of them forced to look incompetent. And they also cannot get down in time. Like... The fight is staged in an area the paladins cannot get to from where they are. Okay, this makes sense. So they cannot go to his aid. Uh, I I can't remember which paladin this interview was with. I want to say it was Bonnie. Uh, the interviews do blend together a little bit because they're all talking about some similar things. And she says, like, how smart would it have really been for us to have been able to fire a crossbow at a moving Ansgar and Ogre? And, like, it's one of those moments where you're like, the ogre is really an actor. Like, we probably should shoot a crossbow at this poor man. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Ansgar gets a second wind and absolutely beats the crap out of the ogre. Yeah, this is an important character moment because we haven't seen him be be a badass. Yeah, it's a big, like, daddy's home moment. Like, it's... (laughs) It's what my note said. I know I was sober when we watched this episode. Um, so daddy's home <laughs> and he kills the ogre and it's to establish him as being competent because that's not something we've really seen yet it's something we've assumed yeah he is assumed to be this great knight but we haven't really gotten to see him walk the walk yeah so this is kind of like this showpiece for this character yes. so that the paladins and the audience are not like so who is this rando? Yeah, th- this is again showing the show's value of the story over a reality show game. And Shondo is impressed. Shondo gives him, like, the highest compliments of Shondo. Right. Which are like, he's a G! <laughs> yeah, he's a G. Like, it's a great moment, because, like, it's game-respecting game. Shondo is a great fighter. Right. Who is respecting how good Ansgar does in the fight. So then we have the challenge. It is about fortifying the castle and protect... Like, it's kind of like a practice attacker defender. Right. Can you fortify a castle? Can you attack a castle? Yes. Uh, this is when the... Cha- like, the challenges... I like the design of the challenges because they make sense. Yeah. They are serving the story. Which, yeah. if you're going to have a story-driven reality show, the challenges don't feel as arbitrary as they could. So we have eight people left, so it's two teams of four. And the challenge is you are going to build a barricade against the door of your castle, which is like a wall with a door Mm -hmm. in it. 
then you're going to go around to where your battering ram is, and you're going to try to destroy the other team's door. Yeah. So the uh, Christian and Lena are the team captains, and Christian mm. chooses first, and he chooses Patrick, and Andrew is unhappy. Yeah. So Lena snaps up Andrew immediately. Mm-hmm. Christian chooses Adria. Lena chooses Leticia. Then Christian chooses Bonnie. And Lena, like, can't believe her luck at this point. She's like, yeah, sure, I'll take Shonda. I'll take Shonda, yeah. Like, she is be- a little bewildered that she picked second and still got Andrew, Leticia, and Shonda. Yeah. Who were, like, kind of the power players at this point. Mm-hmm. And... They're working really hard, and Team Lena builds a fantastic barricade. Lots of strategy involved. Yeah, they have, like, logs, they have, like, barrels, they have, like, a wagon wheel. They have sandbags. And they have sandbags that they can fill. And basically, Lena makes an amazing barricade. Yeah, it's like Lego. And uh, Christian has a door with stuff in front of it. (laughs) Yeah, Christian's is... What the inside of your closet door probably looks like yeah. when company's coming over. Mm-hmm. So then they have to go around the other side. Yes, and grab the battering ram. And there's a certain way you have to do it. Christian is told not to try to, like, jam something in the doors. Yeah. And he's immediately caught doing so. Well, he's... What I remember is he says something like... What you think? Hold it, hold it! You must use the battering ram to break through. Go away! Don't do it! We're wasting time. This is not allowed, I told you! Christian, what about obeying orders, huh? Never go there! The way he says it makes me think that the first element is stop standing in front of the battering ram, you moron. Mm -hmm. You will die. And then... Ooh, I have to be in character. Obey orders, an army. Yeah. Because, and like, this is also the second time we've seen Christian low-key cheat. Yes. Again, playing into this theory that I've developed in my mind of Christian's evil. Yeah. Um, And again, Christian gets caught cheating, but it doesn't matter. No. Because Team Lena wins. Yes. Crushes it. And then Christian... Reveals that was his plan. He had chosen the weaker players on purpose to keep his alliance safe. Yeah, so his alliance is on the other team. So now he's like, all I have to do is either win the Fates Challenge, or if I lose, my allies will vote to keep me. Yes. Which is strategic gameplay in another reality show. This is a brilliant move. Yeah. Like, there's a part of me that's that really respects this idea. The major problem with this is we never see the moment of him going up to Andrew going, yo, I threw the challenge to keep you and Lena and uh, who else? Leticia, maybe? He doesn't intentionally keep Leticia and Shondo safe. They're kind of like anti-collateral damage. Mm -hmm. They are good to keep around. But they're not explicitly in the alliance with them. Right. But if he goes up to them, like, if he goes up to the four of them and says, yo, I threw that challenge to keep you all safe. Yeah. Vote to keep me. That's four people. Yeah. That means he's safe. Yes. Mathematically. Absolutely. Like, strategy-wise, it's great. But we never see that moment where he tells them. 
Like, they get wind of it somehow, but it's never made clear how. And then we have the moment with the metal. And again, just like in the first challenge with teams, uh, when they say, like, who on your team should get the medal? Mm-hmm. Shondo immediately says, it's our captain, it's Lena. Andrew and Leticia both agree immediately. Mm-hmm. Lena almost cries and wins the mark of ingenuity. And now we have seen Lena emerge as a player. It should be noted, though, that, like, at this point, uh, Shondo already has a badge. Yes. And So do Andrea and Leticia. Andrea, and, yeah, so she's the only one without one. So maybe that also played into it. Yeah. Of just like, yeah, she doesn't have a badge. But it, it's still done out of kindness. Like, yeah. it's, we don't know what the marks are going to mean yet. Yeah. So far, they haven't really meant anything but you won a challenge. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if they're going to end up being really important later. Right. So, um, Christian has an excuse for why he didn't do well. And Shondo is kind of getting tired of Christian. Yeah. He's, he, yeah, he's just failing again. So... All four of the losing team members are going to go into the Fates Challenge. Yes. Instead of three. So this is Patrick, Adria, Bonnie, and Christian. Mm Mm-hmm. So the challenge here, and this was your least favorite of the Fates Challenges. Yes, it is. So I'm going to let you explain it because you kind of had some beef with it. So they're locked in these cages, these big metal cages, but your legs are big enough, or the holes are in, in it are big enough so your legs can go out. So you're running with inside this cage. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you have to get through this obstacle course to get to the key to free yourself. Yes. Which, on its own, that is kind of a cool challenge. Yeah. The issue is there are also obstacles in the way. Like there's trees and sticks and stuff that you got to kind of crawl through in this cage. And mm-hmm. it's very difficult. But there's not enough room for all four of them to attack an obstacle at the same time. Right. So the fact that it like bottlenecks like that, mm-hmm. you're creating an artificial uh, order. Yes. Because you, there could have been a situation where, granted, you got to that obstacle first, so you have an advantage. But your advantage should not be, I have to wait for you to complete it. Yeah, because there's one point where there's four people, but there's only two mm-hmm. ways through. Yeah. And, like, it's one of the first things that they encounter. But, like, there's an element of, like, if I'm exhausted, I could lay down and rest, and I'm not going to lose any ground. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm just clogging up this uh, this obstacle. This is the only time where I'm like, this is a flaw in game design. It's also another very physical challenge in that the cages all appear to be the same size and weight. Yeah. And Adria is smaller and slighter, mm-hmm. and Bonnie is less athletic. Patrick is another one of the, like, big guys. And Christian is, like, kind of leaner. Yeah. So, like, the weight of this cage is going to be more difficult for Adria, who is shorter. Yeah. And Bonnie, who's less athletic, and Christian, who is leaner, than it is going to be for Patrick, who is a tank. Yeah. So Patrick immediately like body checks Christian. Yeah, because he's sick of him. And uh, they get through, and everyone's trying to like go through this, and 
they all kind of like lose each other pretty quickly. Yeah, in the Patrick course. basically takes off. Yeah, and part of that is the fact that only Patrick and Christian can go through the first obstacle, and Christian gets stuck, and Christian gets stuck, clogging it up, and Patrick gets through. So there's this issue of if I'm trying to remember the exact order here, but if Christian's stuck in front of you, and then Bonnie goes and gets stuck. Like, there's nothing you can do yeah, like if to Bonnie catch got, up to Patrick. If Bonnie gets stuck, Adria is, like, in trouble. Yeah, and it's just like, I have to wait for you to complete. So, Adria does get... Adria gets through the obstacle, but Patrick, like, just wins. Yeah, Patrick wins way before anyone else is even close. Christian's still in the obstacle when... Like, Christian just gets out when yeah. Patrick wins. Yeah. Uh, Patrick has gotten... The crap smacked out of his face. Yeah, like that's he's got right. A, he busts his eye up. Yeah, he gets like a really terrible shiner. Th- this is the only one where I'm like, this was a bad game that was poorly designed. Yeah, and he's not even the only injury. We'll, yeah. we'll finish talking about this. Uh, he roars, he is hurt, and Creo is alarmed. Yeah, it's a little like, scary for Creo. Like, Creo reacts the way that's perfectly in character. But also is probably the actor's reaction of like, oh no. Yeah. It's a, it's a very human reaction of like, oh, this, oh no. Um, so Bonnie is struggle bussing. Like Bonnie yeah. is on the struggle bus in this one. Uh, Christian and Adria do complete the course. They're stuck in the Hall of Fates, kind of waiting for Bonnie. Adria is upset enough about this to cry. Yeah. Adria is terrified. They can't see anything. They're worried about Bonnie. And then it's clear the producers have told them, like, you can't go back out there to get her. Yeah. Until she screams. She screams in pain because, if I understand what happened correctly, she's holding on to the cage Mm -hmm. and then, like, pushes on something so the cage rolls over her own hand. Yeah. So all of her weight and the cage weight is crushing her hand. And then you're kind of, like, stuck there. Yeah. (laughs) She yelps. And Patrick is off before she's done screaming. Yeah. Like, she's not even done crying out, and Patrick's on his feet, moving. Yes. Adria's on its heels, and even Christian follows. Mm-hmm. And they, they free her. And then Patrick rage-yeets her cage. Yeah, he throws it really far. <laughs> and pretty violently, like... He yeets that thing. Yeah, this is, like... It's the proper term of use of the term yeet. I feel like... He shares my feeling of, like, this was a bad challenge. Like, you guys screwed up with this one. Like, you gotta figure, he's hurt. Yeah. And bon- Yeah, he busted his eye up. And, and then Bonnie, this- the cast member he is closest to, is hurt. Yeah. I'd be mad. <laughs> I'd be real mad, too. Um, so then, like, Bonnie's hand is hurt. and But Bonnie, Christian, and Adria... Are the three who are up for elimination. Yes. So there's three this time. So the other seven competitors. The other um, math five competitors. Yeah, I'm not I'm not Patrick. I'm not a math teacher. Um, the other five competitors, the winning team and Patrick, are discussing what needs to happen. So essentially, if you get two votes, you're good. Yes. Because it's five people. So it doesn't make any sense to like all vote for one person. So I think there's also, like, a strategy of, like, them kind of trying to figure out, like, well, if I vote for this person and you vote for that person, we can keep these two. Right. Like, I feel like 
That's not shown, but there's a problem with the conversations that are being had. Yeah, this, this is definitely implied by how the votes yes. come out. Uh, Patrick is defending Bonnie to the last yeah. in this conversation. It's one of the times you see someone fight hard to keep another person. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, so we get to the Hall of Fates and it's, you know, Adria, Christian, Bonnie. And then Bonnie's in a talking head. And she says, she takes off her medal, mm-hmm. her mark of leadership from the first game. And she says, like, if I don't make it, she's like, I know when I turn around, I'm going to see Patrick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this to him to yeah. remember me by. Mm-hmm. And it's this very sweet moment. And it's kind of this thing where you see Christian and Andrew are talking the talk of the close friendship. While Patrick and Bonnie are much more quietly walking the walk. Like, their bond is so much more um, authentic feeling. Yeah. And so then we see the vote. Um, Lena and Andrew champion Adria. Yes. Which is a huge thing, because they are in alliance with Christian. Mm -hmm. They choose Adria. Patrick and Shondo choose Bonnie. Mm -hmm. And Leticia champions christian and tells us in a talking head everyone should turn around and see someone standing behind them yeah and it's a redeeming character moment for leticia because it's her using her vote for the right reason this time yeah it's funny because she's voting for the same person that she did when she voted for the wrong reason yeah but she is voting to be kind this time yeah Instead of voting because of peer pressure. Um, and then in Christian's departing talking head, he says, like, yeah, I may have compromised my integrity. And it's the only talking head where someone's like, yeah, I... I messed this up. I probably didn't do the I done right bad. Thing. Bonnie cries hysterically into yes. Patrick and Adria and says, you came back for me. And they go, like... Of course we did. Mm -hmm. And it's this really fantastic, real fantasy novel moment of like, the bard, the heart of the group falls. And that's always the person who falls. It's always like the weakest person is the bard. But the other team members care so much about them, they come back for them. And Leticia tells the rest of the group exactly why she voted for Christian. Mm -hmm. And everyone respects it. Yeah. She's like, I wanted him to not turn around and see no one. Nobody should turn around and see an empty hall. Yeah. And the music's like really jovial because it's unlike Jim, which felt like a really sad elimination. Because both Katie and Ashley felt like we hardly knew you eliminations. Mm -hmm. Jim's was sad. Christian's doesn't feel sad. Yeah. And this then leads to what I believe to be the scariest moment of this show. They're all like doing jobs again. Mm-hmm. And Asgar shows up. Because it should be noted that Asgar never goes to see the fates so far. No, it's just Creo. And uh, he goes up, I think it's, he goes up to Leticia and was like, so how was the, how was the challenge? No, Patrick. He starts calling him Lady Patrick because his eye is so jacked up. Oh, that's right. That it looks like he's, and it, the way his black eye is, it does kind of look like he's wearing, like, a very nice, dramatic, smoky eye on only one. Yes. Mm. Lady Patrick? 
<laughs> I don't know about the lady part, but. <laughs> you look like a lady. We should get the second eye, too. I'm just waiting for it to come down and drop, sir. How did the girls do? They did good. Bonnie didn't finish. She hurt herself. She if, hurt herself. She what? hurt her thumb. thumb. But if, if we hadn't come to get her, she would have gotten up and finished. I have no doubt about that. She's not a quitter. I need to see about that. Bonnie. Bonnie. Come over here, please. Hold the sword. And I was immediately like, oh, no. Yeah, I was so afraid it was going to be a... This is going to be an elimination. elimination. Oh, no. She's going to get mighty duxed. Yeah. Where he's like, turn the hockey stick, and he can't, so he gets cut off from the team. Uh, yeah, and this was a moment I was, like, genuinely uh, terrified. Because, like, I, by this point, I'd grown pretty fond of Bonnie. Yeah. Like, everyone else in the cast. And then she's like, I got it. It hurts a little, but I'll be cool. And I was like, yeah! Yeah, like, she, like, it's not broken. She just, like, jams it or something. Yeah. And probably, as someone who uh, gets hurt in minor ways fairly often... Sometimes you yell because you're scared. Yeah. Like, when you smack your head on something and you yelp, it's almost more because you're startled by the pain yeah. than an actual injury. And I could mm. see Bonnie being scared, frustrated, startled, mm -hmm. and in pain. Yeah. And, like, those things compounding to be really upsetting and then start the screaming and crying. Yeah. And so then we kind of have this, like, nice moment. Where uh, Ansgar kind of just bros out a little bit with the cast. Well, it's because Bonnie has written a song. Well, he bros out with them and then this comes up. <laughs> and it turns out somebody like throws her under the bus, but I can't remember who yeah. does it. It's like, Bonnie's written you a song. <laughs> and it's this like very middle school, like, Katie has something to tell you. Like, then you know how yeah. like... In middle school, girls would do that to each other all the time of like, mm. you know, oh, Brittany has a message for you. Mm. Hi. And uh, I'm already like folding in on myself and cringe. Not because of the quality of the song. Like she hasn't started singing yet. But because if you wrote someone a song, you probably don't want to sing it in front no. of them. No. And especially because he's like, so sing me that song. She's like, I was going to do it in private. And he's like, no, you will do it now. <laughs> Sir Ansgar, I finished your song. Maybe you could sing it for us. Maybe later, yeah, I would love to. What about now? Right now? Yeah, it's a great oh, moment. I would, need, I would need everyone here. We I got Lady yeah, Patrick need... and Shonda over here. Yeah, okay. Please move over. Bonnie's going to sing a song. Please realize that it's all in admiration for you. You make me blush. All right. <laughs> When, when he rides on his horse, he's an unstoppable force. Raise your glass for Sir Ansgar And women swoon from his gaze as he handles his blade. Raise your glass for Sir Ansgar His stare is like ice when he says, don't be so nice. Raise your glass for Sir Ansgar And every blow landed when he fought an ogre. Single-handed! Oh, I'm flattered. Thank you for making me laugh. But it becomes this like very sweet moment because she's clearly done it before with the rest of the cast. 
Because, yeah. like, Adria jumps in and they all jump in on She's the refrain. She's got backup dancers. There's a dance. Yeah, like, it's... Raise a glass! Like, it's very cute. Like, it reminds me of the song Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Yes! In, like, a good way. Mm-hmm. Of, like, it's... Them kind of essentially making Chuck Norris facts about Ansgar. Yeah. Like, it's this very cute, very, like, fun, silly moment. I I love Asgar's face during this. It's just this, like, I I was kind of kidding, and now there's a song about me. Like, this weird smile. Like, mm. like where you're flattered, but you're also like, ah, kill me. Yeah. Um... Like, it's this very uh, good news. There is a clip of this one. So we'll Excellent. Be able to we will be show playing that. that. Yeah, this is on YouTube, so good news, everyone. Uh, and it's, he's flattered and laughing, and I think it's funny, because you can kind of see him blush a little bit. Mm-hmm. And blushing is like one... You know this is an actor. Blushing is something that's incredibly hard to fake. Yes. So this actor is clearly, like, bitten off more than he could chew, goading the paladins. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, like... We see this nice moment, and then darkness begins to fall over the castle. Mm-hmm. And that's how the episode ends. Yes. So we are two hours deep into this podcast. Yeah, roughly. I think we should make this a two-parter. Yeah, we are only five episodes in. I kind of had a feeling with this one, because there is yeah. a lot of lore, and there is a lot of explanation. Yeah. And always with reality shows, you have to establish at least 15 people. Yeah, which is tough. 12 competitors, Creo, Ansgar, Queen, Vizier. That's 16 already. But I, I will... To kind of give it our usual goodbye here, I will tell you where I was was at on this show. Okay. Because I remember I turned to you and I said, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my favorite show that I vote Stay Doomed. Because at this point I'm like, I'm thoroughly entertained. I think this is like super fun. I like all the people. But as a reality show, I don't think it's hitting the mark. So that's where I was at this point. I was already trying to figure out how I could argue to save this show. So... Because I I did... And a big thing is the casting directors deserve big ups. Because I think the show, if everybody had been like a backstabber, mm-hmm. I don't think the show would have any magic to it. Right. But like moments like the song with Sir Ansgar the Fierce. Like I left this episode like really feeling good about this show. Uh, and, but like the, I like this show at this point. I love this show at this point. It's very entertaining. But I think it's failing at what it was at being a reality show. So like, I think its merit of a reality show was so low that I'm like, I am enjoying the hell out of this. I see why there can't be more. Yeah, I was trying to. Def- there, we're halfway through. The, this opinion will change. I will tell you that that much. Yeah, and I like I was already kind of sold like i was already like i really like this show and my first thought is there's 11 other kingdoms um so my first thought was like we got other kingdoms guys um are there 11 how many of these kingdoms were there i keep saying 12 kingdoms there might have been 10 which would make sense with uh how many things there were you know what i mean there are 12 okay good I, I just, I saw the document for the first time, because re- Lara does research and I do not. Yeah. And it is written in fancy font, and it made me smile. <laughs> yeah, and um, apparently Paladin Jim did a lot of work on this, which is super cool. 
So anything else we want to add before we wrap this up? Because we've already gone way too long. Yeah. Um, I really am enjoying this show. We're about, we're, we're like halfway through. This is such a different show than, uh, I think if you want to do something in the week between these two episodes, you might want to listen to our episodes on Whodunit and Opposite Worlds. Yeah, it's gonna, it definitely paints our opinion of this. Yeah, because I think those two shows, we did, when we were discussing, because we do discuss the shows a little bit off mic, um, those two shows feel like cousins to this show in a weird way. Yeah. Like the hyper immersive element of Opposite Worlds and the... The alternate reality show. Yes. And like the play acting aspect of Whodunit. Yeah. So um, thank you to the Quest Army for the Quest book because that's been really helpful in everything with this podcast. And uh, let's do our, our normal sign-off. Yes, where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And uh, if you want to talk to me uh, and maybe start a D&D campaign, uh, I'm at TV's Noah. If you want more information about the other 11 kingdoms of Everrealm, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.